Here's a question I have for you. Are you scared to die? Do you have somebody that you love that is near death and you're scared for them to die? Or frankly, you're not scared of anything and you don't really give a rip about it. Regardless of what you view on death or what your viewpoint is on death, I think this video is important because I feel like our society in general has taken a neglected look at death. I feel like we go our whole lives and we don't actually give death or look into death for what it really is. Oh, I'm 19, I'm 20. Man, I got a lot of many, I got a lot of years left. I got a lot of years left. I don't need to worry about death. Or oh, man, you're 50, 60, man. I got 20 years left. I just want to see the grandkids get graduate or the grandkids graduate and then there's the next goal. I want to see the next grandkid graduate or I want to see them graduate. I want to see them get married. I just feel like the consensus is, is that we're distracted. I feel like we go our whole lives just never taking a deep, hard dive into what death is, why death is even a thing, and what's after death. So today in this video, I hope to pull back the curtain on this issue, on this, re this reality, and provide y'all some encouragement. So why is death a thing? And the reality is that death was never God's intent. And it says in Genesis 2-7, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. A man became a living being. And if you read Psalm 139, it tells us he knit us together in our inmost being. He knit us together in our inmost being. That he fully knows us. He searches and he's made the deepest parts of us. All these passages, both these passages, I should say, speak of a loving creator that was deeply involved in creation. And in God's beauty and wonder, he created us with the ability to choose, to make decisions, to express and externalize with actions and words, with love, the worship we have for him. And that decision-making ability allows us a higher form of worship. But paired with that ability is the capability for men to fail, for women to fail, which Adam and Eve did in the garden and sin entered the world through disobedience of two people. So to answer that question in one sentence, sin is the cause of death. Well, why is sin the cause of death? After Adam and Eve eat of the fruit of the tree, of knowledge and good and evil, after God specifically told them not to, this is what God says directly to them after. I will make your pains and childbearing very severe to the woman. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It produces thorn and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. So God says that because of this sin, now we will return to dust. Because we were created from the dust until God literally breathed life into us. That now that's where we will return because of sin, because of disobedience. Because sin is disobedience. Because I just said that. So we have established death, why death exists, why it's a thing, and through those scriptures, if you notice, those aren't my words really, it's just scripture, it's God's words, and so the next question is, is death final? The answer to that is no, and how do I know that? In John 3.16, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life, so something in John 3.16 we can have some sort of eternal life, a life eternal, which we all know that means something after death, and that we shall not perish. And another verse, uh, Jesus says that, let your hearts not be troubled, 
Believe in God, believe also in me, being Jesus. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. Psalm 124a also says, Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So through these scriptures, we have established that there is a heaven and there is an earth. They are separate. There's something there. The crazy part about it is also that... My light just turned off. The crazy part about it also is that Paul in Philippians 1.21, To live is Christ and to die is gain. To die is gain. Paul literally says he would rather that death is better than life here on earth. To answer that question, we have to know what and where is heaven. Heaven is literally the presence of God, being in the presence of God. It is not a location, destination, or point of disembarkation, or a point, a place to disembark off a train or something. Whatever is good and beautiful and enjoyable in this life is a mere reflection of the God who created the world. Heaven will be better than all the earthly pleasures combined across the span of time. Regarding this, the Bible says what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived. It's a big statement. Are the things that God has prepared for those who love him. 1 Corinthians 2.9 There is nothing in this life you think about. The canyons, the mountains, the most beautiful sight this world has to offer. The Niagara Falls. Maybe experiences with friends, with family. The, the, the most happy you've ever felt in your life does not compare to what heaven is like. Also, there's a restored creation. So right now we have a heaven and an earth, and the people who have died before us, my grandparents, their parents, their parents, are actually in heaven right now, but there's still earth going on. We still have earth. People are still dying, sin is still active, but there will come a day when there is no more pain and suffering, or sin, right? It says in Revelation 21, one through five, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. For God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. So heaven, yes, while experienced, that, that's a fact of the matter, that there is the greatest things that we've ever experienced on this earth won't even compare or touch or taste, similar or even compare to what we would experience in heaven. But that's not the greatest part about heaven. The greatest part about heaven is that God, we will literally be with God. In Luke 16, or there's a parable in Luke, and it says that a man who found a treasure in a field sold everything he had and bought the field when he found the treasure. The treasure is Jesus. The treasure is God himself. The treasure, when you date somebody, what do you do? You enjoy spending time with them. You don't marry them for their money, hopefully. You don't marry them for you know, networking, hopefully. You marry them because you love them. It's the same concept with God. The God who created us, the God who created the earth, the heavens, the galaxies, the stars, right? 
We will be in his presence. That's, that's the prize. And then the experience is a fact of the matter, of a result of being in the presence of God. And I need my Bible. Where's my Bible? Where's my Bible at, bro? Okay, my Bible's nowhere to be found. And while I was doing my research for this, I came across Isaiah 65, verse starting at verse 17, and this is regards to a new heaven and a new earth, and this literally mind-boggled me. But it says, in verse 17, For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth. And might I add real quick, this was written before Jesus ever came on the earth. This is a prophecy about the things to come, right? And there's also prophecies about Jesus being pierced for our transgressions. And this is a prophecy about a new heavens and a new earth. So there's a prophecy about Jesus being pierced for our sins, and it came true. So I think we can look at this with some hope and some assurance because of Jesus. And I'll get to Jesus in a sec. No more shall be heard in the sound of weeping in the cry of distress. No more shall there be in an infant who only lives a few days. Or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old. And the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build in another. They shall not build in another inhabit. They shall not plant in another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Here's the part. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. And dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. This is the crazy part, guys. That in heaven, literally death to the most extreme extent will not even be a thing to the point where animals like that are natural predators on the earth today will not even kill each other anymore. Lions will not be killing other mammals for food. Is that not a mind-boggling reality? That's when God says there will be no more death, there will be no more pain, there will be no more suffering. It's beyond us even. It's to the natural, it's to the natural world, the natural creation, his creation. That is, is that what that reality extends to? Which that truth extends to is the world. Is that not a beautiful reality? That actually kind of shook me when I first read it. But one might ask the question, now how do I get there? Acts 16, 30-31. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, right? People were asking the same exact question. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, being the disciples, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Eternal life. The common misconception is that you get to heaven by being a good person. You don't get to heaven if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds or you're more righteous, you do more righteous acts than wrong acts. Okay, the Bible is very clear that this is not the case. No one is good enough. Romans 3.23, for all have fallen short of the glory of God, but are justified by his grace as a gift, right? The standard is Romans 3.10. We've realized that not, no, 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 not one, no one seeks after God. If you have, if you feel like you're naturally a good person, you can work your way to heaven, read Romans, okay? It'll set you straight, I swear. But how do I get to heaven? The story of the thief on the cross makes this answer crystal clear. When he went up on that cross, there were two people behind him, two criminals getting crucified with him. Verse 39, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, railed at him, I guess yelled at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? 
and we need not justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You see, this criminal, what did he do? He said, Jesus, remember me when you were in your kingdom. This man had no works to offer either before or after salvation. He was literally, he couldn't, even if he wanted to do a good work, he was stuck to a cross when he professed faith in Jesus. He was stuck to a cross. He couldn't do it if he wanted to. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Faith is trusting in what God did versus trusting in what you've done. So why should I want to go to heaven? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, for the third time I'm reading this verse, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. John 3, 16 and 17. Who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 1 Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Ephesians 2.13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So the reality is, is that you, we humans, everyone should want to go to heaven because we have witnessed and we have documented the greatest love story in the history of the world. That Jesus came and though he was in the form of God, though he was in heaven, though he was perfect and he did not know sin, he came and he laid aside, he, he put on flesh and came and he died, the he died the death that we deserve, that we deserved, that we still deserve. And he took our place so that now we can go to heaven. Now we have access to the Father through Jesus because God put his wrath that was supposed to be on us on Jesus instead of us. So Jesus took our place so we take his. So we don't have to fear death because death is not the end. And if we have family members that are dying, if we one day will die, we can mourn with hope. Because Christ's death and resurrection, we, his beloved, can confidently say, Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope this provided you some encouragement.